Coming up on Jerusalem Dateline, investigating a rare shooting of three IDF soldiers by an Egyptian policeman. And a visit to the north to see what's behind the arms buildup at the Israel-Lebanon border. And the UN's nuclear watchdog calls it quits on further investigations into Iran's uranium enrichment program. Plus, an expert weighs in on the likelihood of a two-state solution, ending the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. All this and more coming up on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. Israel is vowing to get to the bottom of a rare shooting that stunned the nation and killed three IDF soldiers over the weekend. On Saturday, an Egyptian policeman infiltrated Israel and opened fire on soldiers. Israeli troops fatally shot the attacker. Egypt, which has strong security ties with Israel, said the policeman was chasing drug smugglers when he entered Israeli territory. The two countries are investigating the gunman's motives. The incident at the border with Egypt is severe and unusual, and it will be fully investigated. Israel sent a clear message to the Egyptian government. We expect the joint investigation will be complete and thorough. And this is part of the joint and important security coordination between us, taking place for the benefit of both countries over the years. Israeli authorities say the officer was carrying multiple weapons and gun magazines, indicating he may have been planning a larger attack. Well, mounting tensions in the Middle East raise the possibility of an all-out war with Iran at the center of it. A number of experts believe such a conflict would go far beyond Israel and the region. CBN Middle East correspondent Julie Saul takes us to the Israel-Lebanon border for a clearer picture of what's happening. The Middle East is experiencing a geopolitical shift with a number of potential outcomes. The prospects of a possible multi-front war uh, is bigger than it was in the last two or three decades. Has been many, many changes. But a decision to go to war from the Iranian side or Hezbollah, it's not that simple. Reserve Brigadier General Amir Avivi says he believes Israel still has deterrence. But we might also have a war if Israel feels that it's time to deal with the nuclear military capabilities of Iran. Avivi says he sees it going one of two ways. We have to understand that in a scenario where Israel needs to operate alone, there will probably be a regional war, and this regional war will affect the whole globe. It will bring recession, oil prices will go crazy. Everyone in the globe will feel that. The other involves America building a Middle East coalition against Iran. Show leadership, stabilize the region, pose a credible military threat against Iran, and then we might be able to stop Iranian aggression stop their program without needing a full-scale war. He feels America lacks a major element to make that happen. Guts, leadership. I think that on one hand, America is looking at China and Russia and seeing them as the big challenge. But uh, I think that there needs to be an understanding that if America wants to build deterrence back, and this is needed, because if without that, we'll see eventually China attacking Taiwan. We'll see the Russians being more aggressive in Europe. We need to build this deterrence. And he sees the best route to that is by targeting weakness. And the weak link is Iran. And by challenging Iran, America can build again deterrence globally. And this is, I think, what should be done. And this also will bring peace with Saudi Arabia, 
that might be also extended to Pakistan, Indonesia, Oman. This can have huge advantages. Lieutenant Colonel Sarit Zahavi says Iran's strength, however, can be found in its proxies. Iran is providing the ideology, is providing the money, providing the training and providing the ammunition to Hezbollah and other proxies in the region. Why they are doing that? The part of the Islamic Revolution values are to annihilate the state of Israel. Zahavi says while Iran's terror network isn't ready to move forward yet, it's been busy preparing. In the past few months, we have seen the propaganda of Iran focusing on what they call the multi-front uh, against Israel, creating uh, proxy militias like Hezbollah in Lebanon, also they are uh, in Syria, in Iraq, in Yemen, in Gaza, inside Israel, and to create attacks against Israel from all these places. She adds the various proxies don't appear fully united, as we saw during the recent conflict in Gaza, when Hamas refused to join Islamic Jihad against Israel. Zahavi sees a difference to the north with Hezbollah that could mean two possibilities. One option, this we already see, is that they are willing to raise the tension on the Israeli-Lebanese border and to carry out more attacks. It already happened. The second option is that they are trying to drag Israel into war and that way draw the attention and even draw the efforts, if you like, from any thought of doing something against the Iranian nuclear program. Avivi says Hezbollah needs to understand what it's up against. I think that sitting here overlooking Lebanon, there needs to be a clear message to Nasrallah and to Hezbollah. Israel is by far, far stronger. And if we are challenged, at the end of the day, we'll go in, we'll go fast and we'll destroy Hezbollah. He also urges the Middle East to consider the devastation in Lebanon as an example of what happens when Iran takes over. You can see that everywhere the Iranians take control, the place is completely destroyed. This is what the Iranians bring with them, destruction, poverty, misery. And it's time countries in the Middle East realize that and deal with them. Julie Stahl, CBN News, the Israel-Lebanon border. Coming up, as Iran strengthens its web of proxies and bolsters its nuclear program, Jerusalem may have no other choice but to strike first. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all of the nations and given us his Torah. From CBN Films. The Bible is a book that has transformed the world. If you believe in the providence of God, you believe that God guided those who collected the oral and written traditions. If you can't rely on its history, how can you rely on its theology? What is it? I don't know. I thought you could tell me whether or not they're genuine. It has been criticized, it has been banned, it has been burned, its followers have been burned and killed. It mattered to them to get it right. From the makers of In Our Hands, Oracles of God, the story of the Old Testament, available on instant 4K streaming access and DVD today for a gift of any dollar amount. Download the CBN News app, 24-7 news from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. 
CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. In all of history, there have been few men like him. He was a prophet, a gifted psalmist, a feared warrior, and a revered king. Gain spiritual insights for your life from the life of King David in Pat Robertson's newest audiobook, The Shepherd King. Coming May 8th. The UN's nuclear watchdog is ending its investigations into uranium found at two Iranian sites. Now Israel is accusing the agency of caving into pressure from Tehran. The IAEA report says it has no further questions about highly enriched uranium particles found at Iran's underground Fordow facility. UN investigators also shut down their probe into man-made uranium particles discovered in the city of Marivan, which has been repeatedly linked to Iran's secret nuclear program. Netanyahu accused the agency of submitting to the Islamic regime. If the IAEA will become a political organization, there will be no significance to its activity in Iran, and there will be no meaning to reports it is publishing on Iran's nuclear activity. As Iran inches closer to red lines drawn both by the U.S. and Israel, experts warn something's got to give. The Islamic Republic is further escalating tensions with a new ballistic missile that has a range of 1,200 miles, and there are reports of construction on an underground nuclear facility. National security correspondent Caitlin Burke has the latest. The Kaibar missile, named after an ancient Jewish fortress conquered by Muslims, is capable of reaching Israel. Iranian defense officials say it can penetrate enemy air defense systems and evade radar detection. To the West, it's considered a dangerous move that can't be ignored. Despite the restrictions on Iran's missile-related activities under UN Security Council Resolution 2231, Iran continues to seek a range of missile technologies from foreign suppliers and to conduct ballistic, ballistic missile tests in defiance of the resolution. Meanwhile, Israeli defense forces keep close watch on all areas of Iran's nuclear development. A top general recently stating that Israel could soon be left with no choice other than a preemptive attack. Iran knows it's playing with fire, and they are getting close to what um, both Israel and the United States are, are basically messaging as their red line of, of where they won't allow Iran's nuclear program to go any further. In what appears to be an effort to gain the upper hand against the West, Iran is reportedly building a nuclear facility deep underground. While it's unclear whether U.S. bombs could reach it, the Air Force recently posted a picture of this bomb designed for such a purpose, adding it's time to test its performance. Just how far each weapon goes and just how far in the mountain uh, Iran is digging uh, are going to be closely held secrets by both nations. Uh, they don't want to give the upper other country the upper hand and, and give them uh, the ability to know whether their strike could work or not. Gabriel Nerona, former State Department special advisor for Iran, says although diplomacy is not completely off the table, at this point it doesn't seem to be headed anywhere. He says to truly sway Tehran, the Biden administration must threaten consequences the Islamic regime won't risk. The United States now is starting to get more serious about those messages, and I think 
um, that picture of, of bunker buster bombs is part of that strategy. And you need, we need to see a lot more of that rhetoric and seriousness coming from uh, both the Biden administration as well as Congress. Narona says it would be a mistake to underestimate the regime. The country that chants death to Israel and, and death to the United States should be taken seriously. I think uh, one of the mistakes that we've made uh, throughout history is not believing dictators when they make a promise in public. According to the International Atomic Energy Agency, Iran is already enriching uranium to near weapons-grade levels. But the country has yet to announce that it's built a nuclear weapon. Caitlin Burke, CBN News, Washington. Up next, the two-state solution. Could it actually bring an end to the bloody Israeli-Palestinian conflict? We take a closer look with one expert when we come back. Attacks on Jewish lives, communities, and synagogues. The Jewish nation has survived war. I was so scared. Terrorism. And saw my husband covered in blood. And waves of anti-Semitism. It's a message of killing Jews. Now is the time to defend Israel's basic right to exist. And you can do that through CBN Israel. When you send a gift to the Jewish people through CBN Israel, you are giving humanitarian aid to Israelis in need. And at the same time, you are providing news coverage and documentaries that reveal what is really happening in Jerusalem and the Middle East. Attacks against Israel are ongoing. The need is urgent, and you can help. Call 1-800-813-8734. Go to cbn.com slash standwithisrael or text CBN Israel to 41444. Here, we're committed to a heritage of rigorous scholarship dating back over a thousand years and to a faith tradition dating back a thousand more. This is how we create a culture of inquiry where no topic is off limits. And a culture of hope. Anything's possible! It's Christian leadership. And it's changing the world for the better. It's higher learning. It's greater knowing. It's what makes us whole. It's what makes us regent. I am so excited for our trip to Epic Heights because there are so many roller coasters and rides. And my goal is to ride every one of them. But first, I have been instructed to complete a list of tasks by Professor Quantum. Discover the rewards of self-control with Gizmo and Friends through fun-filled activities and exciting games. Join the CBN Animation Club and get Gizmo's ups and downs of self-control, plus two copies to share with others, all for your gift of only $25. One of the most well-known proposals to end the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is the so-called two-state solution. It calls for the creation of an independent Palestinian state next to the state of Israel. I recently spoke with legal expert Andrew Tucker about whether this is possible. Andrew Tucker, great to be with you again uh, at CBN News. Pleasure to be with you, Chris. Uh, you've written a book here about the two-state paradigm, uh, two states for two peoples. Uh, what do you, what's your main message in this book? Look, the Europeans, since 1973, the Yom Kippur War, have developed this policy, which they did in close collaboration with the Arab world, to support a Palestinian uh, state. And that grew out of the Arab oil boycott of the, uh, after October 1973. Europe was in a very mm -hmm. difficult place. And they entered into the Euro-Arab dialogue with the Arab world. And part of that uh, agreement was the support of the Palestinian cause.
which is fine. But they've put a lot of money into this whole project of building a Palestinian state. Every year, the EU pays over 1 billion euros. That's just the tip of the iceberg to the PA and to Palestinian institutions to create this state. And it's not happening. Palestine is not a state. It's not not because we don't want it to be a state, but because it's, it's not creating the institutions of government that you really need if you're going to be a state based on the rule of law. So we feel the European approach is actually impeding peace by being so dogmatic about the legal situation. They say Israel has no claims whatsoever to East Jerusalem or to the West Bank. They say the land belongs to the Palestinians. Uh, and the occupation must come to an end. That's their policy. So all their time and energy is put into opposing Israel's position under the Oslo Accords. We think that's problematic. Mm. So this has been 50 years now since 1973. That's and it's still not working? It was. What do you think? You live here and, and it's not really working. You know, we've just had rockets being fired from Gaza. Uh, we know that Iran is very active in the West Bank, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Hamas, but the Palestinian Authority is corrupt. Uh, it is not leading the Palestinian people as it should be. So we've created a failed state. And the last thing that the Middle East needs is another failed state. Mm. If this approach is not working, what would you suggest that would work? We think the, the best way to approach this is, first of all, uh, external actors like the European Union shouldn't be dictating solutions to problems in the Middle East. I think we've learned that lesson over the last few decades, Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq. We, we cannot keep imposing our Western attitudes to solve their problems. We think the only way forward is a bottom-up approach, uh, facilitating promoting Arab-Jewish cooperation and dialogue, and let them build the relationship that will lead to peace. We think if the Europe and the other nations keep putting money into uh, this fallacy that the Palestinians have a right to the whole of Judea and Samaria and East Jerusalem, we're not going to reach a negotiated outcome. And if it's not a negotiated outcome, it won't be a peaceful outcome. Mm. How do you address some of the ideology that, that seems to give fostered generation after generation by the PA, for example, uh, about the whole land being Palestinian. Yeah. Well, I think we have to address this, Chris. You're right. The Palestinian Liberation Organization is Israel's negotiating partner. It's not the PA or anybody else. It's the PLO. And the Palestine National Charter remains unchanged to this day. Arafat promised in 1993 to Clinton, I will amend the charter. We have the exchange of letters between Rabin and Arafat. It's never happened. The PLO charter still says Israel must be destroyed. So Europe needs to understand this. There's a, there's a whole ideology here about, not about creating a peaceful Palestinian state adjacent to Israel, but to undermining the Jewish state and creating this, uh, they want one state from the river to the sea. So. We, we cannot keep living in a kind of utopia. We have to understand the facts on the ground. Pay for slay. Uh, all of the Palestinian school books, the UNRWA system, which is creating a culture of, of hatred, this needs to be reformed. And unless it's reformed, we will never have a peaceful outcome. Yeah. 
Well, Andrew Tucker, great to be with you. Thanks a lot, Chris. Still ahead, En Gedi, a beautiful desert oasis and King David's hiding place. Today, it's also the site of an incredible archaeological discovery. Thank you for watching Jerusalem Dayline. We're committed to providing you with unbiased reporting from the Holy Land. Through weekly broadcasts, podcasts, and online media, our vision is to reach millions around the globe with the true story of what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, all from a biblical and prophetic perspective. This is a big vision and is only made possible by the generous support of people like you. Call us toll-free at 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Jerusalem Dateline and make a donation that will help spread the light of truth about Israel throughout the world. I believe the time has come to begin a battle of annihilation. They divided my land. They divided the land of God. In these three weeks, people felt like there is going to be a second Holocaust. I just started this job 10 months ago. Now you want me to plan an entire war in two days? Yes. People were very motivated. But to say that there was no fear is telling a lie. You're scared until the first shot. The minute the first shot is being fired, you're bent on completing your mission. If we break through those walls now, the whole world will stand on its head. To be right here, Mota, and not to go in, history will never forgive you. Are you going crazy? You'll set the whole Middle East on fire. Come home to the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern Gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel. Now available at CBNRadio.com. Introducing a brand new way to start your morning. Get your daily quick start from CBN News. A quick read on the important news of the day, delivered right to your inbox. Stay current on breaking news, politics, and entertainment. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. Plus, get exclusive stories and daily scripture encouragement just for you. Stay informed. Go to quickstart.news and subscribe today. In 1965, the installation of a water pipeline led to the discovery of a 1,700-year-old synagogue in an Israeli nature reserve near the Dead Sea. Inside the ruins of the synagogue, excavators found a tiny scroll that was burned beyond recognition. At least that's what they thought at the time. See how advanced technology brought these ashes back to life. It's all part of CBN's brand-new multi-part documentary examining the story of the Old Testament called Oracles of God. Near the shores of the Dead Sea is the desert oasis of En Gedi. In the Bible, it's the hiding place of David and a place of inspiration for Solomon. To the north is Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. 
and to the south, the ruins of Herod's fortress at Masada. Today, En Gedi is a nature reserve, one of Israel's most beautiful national parks, and the site of an extraordinary archaeological discovery. The ancient settlement of En Gedi was destroyed by a fire in the 7th century. After the fire, the settlement was abandoned until 1970, when the ruins of the community synagogue were excavated. They found within the synagogue the holy place, the Bama, you know, the, with the Bible, and they found it all in ashes. And in the ashes, they found a hold of coins, they found a menorah, and they found a massive amount of ashes that already then they suspected were a scroll, but it was ashes. Forensics experts tried to decipher the rolled up scroll, which looked like a cigar. But in 1970, the technology was limited. So eventually the scroll was stored at the Israel Museum. Fast forward to 2015, when archeologist Sefi Parat retrieved the burned scroll and took it to a team of conservators who work with the Dead Sea Scrolls. One day he walks in here with this, you know, it was still the top of one of the boxes with all these ashes and says, can you please image this? And I said, Sefi, you must be joking. This is ashes. He says, yes, but they said you have such a system. I said, yeah, it's not miracles, though. I mean, it's not as if uh, the ashes can come back to life. Eventually, it turned out that they could. Nobody, by the way, touches the scrolls. I don't touch them either. It's only these four or five conservators. And we did a CT scan, a tomography of all of these. And already then, it seemed as if that piece of charcoal was the most promising. The Israeli team sent 3D scans of the scroll to the University of Kentucky, where Professor Brent Seals used digital imaging to virtually unwrap the scroll and reveal part of the text. After 45 years, the puzzle was finally solved. He actually looked and saw that with these layers, he could decipher, he could pull out a layer that eventually turned out to be the first chapter of the book of Leviticus. And you can see it, I mean, you can read it. I mean, how do we know? Because we can read it now. It was amazing. To me, everything is kind of symbolic. And I remember the day that we realized that this is, you know, the book of, of Leviticus, it was like, we looked at the computer and we said, unbelievable. And I wrote to Brent Seals, you won't believe what you've deciphered, what you've uncovered. The En Gedi scroll is the second oldest biblical scroll to be discovered and the oldest ever to be found inside a synagogue. This scroll was carbon dated, remember, to uh, the uh, third, fourth century. Why did this work? Because the ink that the En Gedi scroll was written with probably has iron in it. We realized that the En Gedi scroll is different because it has ink and therefore it is legible with this virtual 3D. It can identify the iron that is in this ink. Look how symbolic that the first chapter of the book of, of Leviticus talks about uh, the uh, sacrifices of the temple. Okay, and here we are, and what happens to the sacrifices? They turn into ashes. And here we are bringing alive these ashes. And this was right before Tisha B'Av, which is the day of the destruction of the temple. So everything was very, very symbolic. We were really, 
you know, in awe. It was like, you know, we're bringing back to life these ashes. That incredible story is taken from CBN Films' latest production, Oracles of God. The multi-part documentary examines the history and archaeology of the Old Testament and takes viewers on a journey into prove the history of the Bible. You can stream it today by going to cbn.com slash oracles of God. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on social media and you can also access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. And don't forget to sign up for our email blast so you can continue to receive all of our exciting CBN content. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.